Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. If the last episode was a wizard, this one was a wizened conductor. <laughs> it's getting better each episode. Maybe a yeah. music music professor or something. Listeners, we're so glad to have you along for the ride. Will there be a guest this week? Mm. No. Q, could you please leave the room? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Welcome. Almost Pastor Q. Well, by the time this That's goes true. out, he will be. Oh, yeah, when the listeners Q. are oh, listening. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, Reverend Q. So this we're, is a we're, big deal. This is a big deal. I mean, it's nice to record this in that in between phase where he still has to be humble. Uh, That's right. Still practicing humility just up until this Sunday. As soon as you get, I am done with humility for the rest of my life. Out the window. (laughs) Out the window. (laughs) That's great. No, it's great to have you back, Q. Thanks. Good to be back. Thanks for agreeing to come back. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, listeners, uh, longtime listeners might know that the last episode, not to like put a, not to add a weird layer to what's happening this morning, but last time Q, you were on, we got called out for saying right. Too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. right. That, that's I remember right. that specific right. episode when Aaron really kind of dug that, the whole thing and I then feel like had we've done expanded on it. I think we have mm. two, oh, but I haven't counted yeah. recently. Huh. We'll try not to. So we'll just uh, we'll, we'll talk as elegantly as we can without a lot of right fillers, okay. but you know they, mm-hmm. might, they might be there, right? So. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think how long it's been. Because we, we tried to have Q back on the podcast. Let's see. Like as, as soon as possible. And he yeah. just kept saying no to us. Yeah. Over and over. Q's a busy man. He's got priorities other than us. So that's right. fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was February 26th that we published our first episode with Q. Oh, really? Wow. That's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long been time. For okay. a long time. Well, yeah, and I've been saying, Matt. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. But I hoodwinked you. I said I wouldn't be on this episode. Little bribe. Three tickets to Sacramento Kings. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we're, let's kick things off uh, with a segment. A little segment called I Like It. Okay, I like it. A segment whereby we talk about things we... Things we like. Things we like. Not not things we love. No, that's a good point, Matt. That's mm. why we don't talk about our families or anything <laughs> like that. I want, I want listeners to be clear. They're on a today, different spectrum. Today, for I like it, I'm going to talk about my wife. <laughs> no, that would be I, I love it. I think she's great. Um, I love it. It's like the Cold Stone size. Of, right? I like it. I love it. And then one day we'll have a segment called I Gotta Have It. That's their, how they do their sizes? Isn't that the biggest? Oh. Am I making that up? No, that could be. I feel like that might be true. Hmm. It's like when I order something at Starbucks, I always have to think about their sizing because right. this doesn't seem to make sense to me. But. Cold Stone listeners, feel free to give us a correction. <laughs> <laughs> when I go to Starbucks, tell me if the, oh, I'm a jerk. I say small, medium, and large. <sighs> wow. As a Starbucks lover, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. There's so many layers to that choice. Goodness. Yeah. Because there's the layer... But you're conscious of it, so that's kind of interesting. Because there's the basic layer of like, I, I don't know what you do here. Yeah, I, I just I want the middle one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I feel like okay, that's that's like I get that. Yeah, 
But then there's like the layer of you know their sizes and you're refusing to play by their uh, rules. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Somewhere in between. Because I know right. that there's sizes exist, but I don't want to do the mental. It's not second nature for me. And yeah. I'm not interested in the mental gymnastics. Right, right, right. So I'll let them figure it, okay. figure it out. Hmm. Yeah, that is an interesting in between. That is. Okay. So kind of a jerk. I just hope they upcharge you every time. <laughs> it's like extra twenty five cents. Medium? Oh, a venti? <laughs> well, that's the okay. worst when they correct me. I'm like, I, no, just you, you, they'll say, do no. you? Mean, oh, you mean uh, no? I mean like the middle one. So they oh, actually they clarify. Sometimes they do. You come back aggressively. <laughs> you mean a, you mean a venti? Nope. Medium. <laughs> Uh, uh, I know funny. baristas you're just doing to be clear job. Starbucks listeners I do know uh, that medium is grande okay I, I do know there this. you go okay. yeah. yeah which and grande means large it's crazy I, it's crazy you know what it's I didn't crazy. make up the rules <laughs> I just followed but them. I'm not this isn't this isn't beef time this that would have been a good time. beef <laughs> that would have been a great beef yeah, I was this a little is, bit confused this is time to like things um, and I think our guests should go first if you're sure. up for it. Yeah. Well, Matt said, "Come ready." So I am totally ready. Yeah. For my like it. Okay. You guys ready? What do you like, you? Man. So this is pretty fresh and hot on my list. As of like just about a couple months ago, and my I like it is opera. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> wow. I knew that I you guys know. were going to kind of react like that, that, right? If you had asked me to put together a list that would have been your list of possible likes, that would have never well, been. Okay, <laughs> okay what, would you, what would you have guessed? Well, I don't Food. I mean, many things before Tetherball? Tetherball. Tether <laughs> Do guess. you like Tetherball? <laughs> As of like last Friday. <laughs> you and I recently went and yeah. played some Tetherball. Not against each other. Though right? Matt was, yeah. It was uh, great. It's got a little part. glorious oh, wound scar where, from the match. Is there a tetherball court at uh, Drake's? Oh my gosh. The barn in Sacramento. Oh really? That is a place yeah. to be, Aaron. That was okay. my first time visiting last Friday, Aaron. Okay. Oh my gosh! It's called the Barn, the Drakes. They got beer. I was there for the first time just recently. two weekends ago. Yeah. White Rachel's birthday. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Did you like it? Uh, yeah. Mm. I wasn't there for a super long time, but okay. see, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's and had a good, like, backyard, a big right. backyard. Yeah. 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 Yep. And yeah. Tetherball is a part of their backyard space. They have, like, three stations of Tetherball, which I think was closed when you were there. Okay. That oh, backyard space was messed up. Oh, that's okay. unfortunate. But right. anyhow, it's, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That's not but yeah, that's not my, that's not my, I like it. I don't know how we got Guys, there. Guys, what the heck? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Maya like it. Maya like it is opera. I love it. So Can you tell, tell us, us more. So, yes. so much more. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did this start? How did it start? I just kind of stumbled upon it um, on YouTube. Okay. There was like, like a Korean singer who was, I don't know if this is a term here in uh, America too, but busking. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was busking in Italy okay. in, right in front of the Colosseum. Okay. okay. And then the sun is kind of, it's like setting down. And she started seeing Ave Maria. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that next three and a half minutes, I'm not even there. <laughs> like, I'm already closing my eyes, uh-huh. like, halfway through the song. And I just kind of fell in love with it right there. And then ever since then, I've been kind of looking into it in my Apple Music app. And I've been listening to Andrea Bocelli uh-huh. and then Maria uh Ke- from Ke- sesame street Callas? maria Callas. i think okay. she's like uh, older folks yeah um but anyways i think yeah started with uh, two kind of popular ones yeah um i love it because first it's like the instrumentals orchestra 
behind the voice yeah. is already amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when the person starts singing, usually one person or sometimes male and female together or sometimes more than two people, like it's just fascinating because you think about a person and then <laughs> what, a, what kind of lung power? You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like the voice comes right through and over the yeah. sound of orchestra and all these variations of classical music. And again, listeners, I do not know much about opera. I just fell in love with it. I like it. Um, so if you have any recommendations of album or opera singers, I will gladly take all of those. So this please let me know. Have you, have you seen an opera live? I have not. Okay. Yeah, this Never will, in my this life. This is the next step. This I is, will be looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So, you, Already. so your current like it is really opera style music. Correct. But you, I, when you first said that, I was kind of imagining you, you know, wearing the like glasses oh, up yeah. that are on the handle yep. that you go to the opera and you're in a box. Oh. Yeah, but not necessarily with a tuxedo, like the, no, the no, kind no, of theater no. opera experience. Right, right. I haven't had that point. experience yet, yet. But opera music style. Okay, this is this is good. Hey, and I then re- one more thing. Can I can I continue a uh, twofer? Yeah, no. I mean, it's the same thing. Oh, okay. I'm still like yeah, I, I'm still ahead. liking the opera, okay. but this is the major. You, this is the major reason. <laughs> this is the major reason. It's like when you listen to other type of music genres, there's usually like one particular emotional genre. You know what I mean? Like a song is sad, a song is happy, a song is like hopeful. But with opera songs, majority, I think a lot of those songs have combination of all these emotional genres. So it starts with like a sad kind of moody, melodramatic feel. And then like halfway through, the singer goes like, you know, she's a little bit more upbeat and hopeful and then it ends like in a joyful, you know what I mean? So like in a one particular song, how could we have all these combinations of emotional um, genres? Yeah. I love it. That's good. <clears throat> well, and in uh, traditional opera, there's a story that's being told so it can have, like that story can contain all the emotions, but then mm. you're right that music will, yeah. it could be one song that moves the story you know, from one point to another. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do you have a favorite song right now? Um, can I look at my phone? Yeah, you can. Well, well Ave Maria. <laughs> sure. Thank you, Matt, for the permission. <laughs> so I'm generous. Kind of the bouncer of the studio. <laughs> the enforcer. <laughs> I will permit you to look at your phone. Can I actually play a part of it? <laughs> well, I don't know how we do that. Can, can you do that? Sure. Watch this. This this is my recent favorite. Carmen Act One. L'amour oh, est un osia. Yeah, put it right up on the mic. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah, this is from, probably familiar to people. Yep, very familiar, uh-huh. huh? It's very good. But then, if you go like halfway through, there's a part. Well, that's the same part. And then she just kind of calms down a bit more through this part. And then later, about like 30 seconds, it picks up back up, and then yeah. everybody's like singing together. It's all joyful and hopeful. So that's uh, is Carmen in Italian? That's Italian, right? It's not yeah. Spanish. So I'm I think it's Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Italian. Even. So you you are not. Do you speak Italian? I do not. It's not even about what Zero. she's saying. You're just looking <laughs> I, at the, the listeners. Musical. I do not understand a word she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> a word she's saying. <laughs> Music is so powerful. Thank you. Learn some more languages. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that's very cool. That's yeah. cool. Good, I like it. That's a great, mm. I like it. 
I, I like it. it. Should I go next? Sure. I'll go next. Okay. I think yours will be better than mine. I don't know. Um, my, my I like it is, um, I've talked about my trip to Australia. Uh-huh. So this is, I think, another holdover. I don't think I talked about it on the podcast. Morning tea and afternoon tea as cultural practices. <laughs> the idea that there are these sort of prescribed breaks in your day where you are inevitably going to eat a cookie and have a hot drink or a hot cuppa, that there's nothing, like it's just the best way to live. It's sort of like, you know, I don't, I don't quite understand what our deal is as Americans because we look at all these cultures all around the world and we think they're doing something better than we are. Like we think about like the siesta. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. You look at that and you think, they got something right there. Yeah. You think about like these long, slow meals that some Euro- that European countries, <laughs> and we're right. like, they're doing something right there. I look at morning tea and afternoon tea. And or I the think, eight weeks off a year yeah, vacation or, or whatever. Things. Sure. Yeah. I, I look at morning tea and afternoon tea the same way. Like those Australians, those Brits, they're doing something right there. Hmm. Now, you could potentially, in most days, create your own space, I think, for a morning and afternoon tea. Is that true? This is inspiring. Yes, it is true. What you're looking for, or maybe what you like about it, is the cultural permission to be able to, or the cultural even expectation that you mm-hmm. will stop your day and do this because people all across the land are doing it. Huh. This does make me think that maybe we should institute a morning tea here at Granite Springs. Uh, tea time for all the same downs. time, same time, Monday uh. through Thursday. Come in, everyone stops what they're doing for just like 10 minutes. That'd be pretty good. I'm making a note. <laughs> what if we did this in the service? During the halfway ser- through the <laughs> tea. Halfway through the sermon, like the preacher just takes All a break. Right, we're just gonna take a break. <laughs> I want to go. Or after that. like passing the piece of Christ, everybody's just dismissed for about oh, ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The atrium. Like I'm that. Yeah, I've true, seen yeah. those churches actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Strange. So anyway, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I I mean, I experienced it on vacation, so naturally, like, kind of. All of life is morning tea when you're on vacation. Right. But it does feel like just as a rhythm, hmm. there's something kind of helpful about it and something like you can imagine, I can imagine like a cubicle farm where morning tea is a, an afternoon tea is like a rejuvenating hmm. experience. So I like it. That's so, good. so are you getting the same sort of experience that you had in Australia once you kind of came back and you incorporated this rhythm into your life here and now? No, so that's a good question. I haven't really incorporated this rhythm, so I well, like it yet. at a distance. I'm not like you and So you're liking the idea. I like the of idea. It. <laughs> I like the idea. So He's far. not looking for a lifestyle change like <laughs> <But>. you are. <laughs> he just, right, I, yeah. No, I really like the idea. The one thing that I have been doing since being in Australia is I've been drinking much more coffee, yeah. a lot more hot drinks. Oh, with the so, new coffee machine. Yeah, Rachel and I got and an everything. espresso machine. And so oh, that's great. So we drink more coffee. Is than it the one that goes? To... <laughs> nope. Nope. It oh. doesn't do that. Oh. That's pretty good. No, it's just uh, so it's a Nespresso machine. So it's like a pod based espresso. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. easy. Then this mm. little milk frother. It's good taste. Yeah. Yeah. Tastes good. Q's had, Q's had some. My Americano. My Americano. It was good. I, I like it. it. You speak Italian. <laughs> All right, what's yours? All right, well, uh, it's funny that you mention uh, uh, breaks in the, in the morning and the afternoon because I was thinking about my, my I like it has to do with my daughter who is seven years old. And I think about her day where she has, <coughs> excuse me, 
uh, recess built in to mm-hmm. her school day. I think, oh, that's what we need maybe as yep. as part of our adult day is a, a, we just do a little recess. We have a playground here. We need oh. recess time, tea time, followed by recess time and tetherball. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you guys play tetherball during the recess times? You've never had? Um, no, I don't. I okay, don't know fine. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that I had access to tetherball. Hmm. Uh, so my I like it has to do with my daughter again, who is seven years old. She's currently taking gymnastics classes. So every week for, I, I know people can start to get diehard about this, but she's just she's pretty casual. She's actually very good at it and really likes it. Uh, it's an hour and a half every week, so right after school, uh, three thirty to five, and uh, she loves it. But at her gym, they do something kind of interesting. So there's a lot of little. There's several little classes going on kind of constantly. So there'll be one coach with like, you know, five or ten kids, mostly girls. But there's like a boys class too or whatever. But anyway, so they're all over this big, if you can picture a big open gym area. And there's, you know, know, different mats and pads and bars and rings and uh, those silks that hang down. That's kind of popular right now. Mm -hmm. It's really pretty cool. So anyways, all this stuff is happening. And every each little group is doing their own thing. And then what will happen every once in a while is you, there's this big bell over on the side. And we, someone, a student will ring it and ding, ding, ding. It's really loud. Echoes throughout the whole gym. Everyone stops what they're doing and says, and they all scream at the same time. What did you do? So the whole place stops. And then the person who rang the bell like screams and usually what they did is they moved like up a level in their classes oh uh, I thought this was like a mass wow. shaming technique <laughs> you, 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 I spilled the popcorn <laughs> in the break room <laughs> I'm like oh this public, is public this shaming exercise <laughs> bring the bell <laughs> I got, we're gonna do that in church alright I only got a form of confession I only got a 9.6 on my cartwheel <laughs> boom <laughs> the whole idea is this is meant to be encouraging so everyone screams (laughs) what did you do and they go i moved up the level or i moved up and then everyone says who ah you moved up to what and they'll say level five and everyone goes the place just goes bananas like oh wow and then so like and then a group or, or two however many like kids are in that area at the same time will like make a tunnel by standing facing each other with space between put their like uh-huh. hands up against each other and then uh, like the kid runs through the tunnel and then like, while they're applauding I thought if you are ever feeling discouraged in life mm. if you are feeling kind of like nobody's on your team you just think of those like that room filled with like 80 kids all doing their own thing but they stop when they hear the bell to just like randomly encourage another mm. kid. Mm. And if your life is really good, imagine that as a confession moment. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to Granite Springs Church. Shame. <laughs> so this happened. Yeah, that's cool. I just kind of observed this at her last gymnastics thing and I got it. It wasn't she it wasn't her involved in it, but she was like she was part of the tunnel or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I got a little misty thinking about how like how these kids are just sort of unconditionally encouraging oh. each other. And that was something from my mm. week that I really liked. So Sounds like they're doing a lot more than just gymnastics. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean like the, the, the whoever owns the gymnastic yeah. place, you know, like create right. a culture. It, you're right. It's a big, yeah, it's a sort of a culture of encouragement. So oh, that's, that's, very that's cool. my I like it. That's, that's really one. cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
What a mixed bag today. Hmm. I love it. So guys, when, oh, when sorry, it, that's the other segment. I like it. <laughs> I love it. I got to have it. When I have one of those days when I'm super discouraged, would you guys make that tunnel for me? No, probably not. <laughs> what did you do to make you feel this way? I like it. Uh, okay, good. Right. Well, let's take a quick break and come back with our curious conversation. This episode brought to you by Eden Grass Care. Want your lawn to look like it was meant to from the very beginning? Then call Steve at Eden Grass Care. Adam and Eve have nothing on Steve. Uh, we are going to continue our series on faith. Um, if you listened last week, you might be caught up. If you didn't listen last week, I'm not sure how helpful that would have been. <laughs> I'm going to say it was helpful. It was, it was a ground-clearing conversation. Yeah, okay, okay. It's kind of funny. Sometimes the conversation will take us in ways we don't expect, and uh, we yeah. usually try to roll with it. That mm-hmm. episode might not be the giant whose shoulders we stand on, but it might be the small child whose shoulders <laughs> we will now stand on. <laughs> okay. Thanks, thanks, ch- thanks, giants and children of all ages and of sizes ages. for helping us get going. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, uh, more about faith, but sort of more specifically the idea of faith and doubt. Is that true? Do you doubt it? Well, I don't doubt it. <laughs> you don't doubt it. I don't doubt yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, you kind of were moving us in this direction naturally at the end of our last conversation. Well, I, I think that it's the idea of doubt is so integral to understanding faith. Like it almost somehow gives us context for what faith even hmm. is. Okay, you have to say more about that. No, I think that's it. That's, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with it. I don't have Thanks any supporting thoughts. That's just my one uh, statement. Well, well, if you think of faith and doubt, are they opposites? I don't want to get obsessed with defining things. Sure. I think we did that a little too much last mm-hmm. episode. But um, I, th- I think the idea of if we don't have faith, I think we might be doubting. That's is that a question, question worth? Oh, okay. I was going to oh, say, I is a question worth asking? But well, the question is kind of yeah. If you have a cup and you're filling the cup up with faith, yeah, then is the remaining part doubt? Mm. <laughs> How's that for an analogy? <laughs> this is not a way to start this conversation. <laughs> okay, I retract. I retract. retract I'm going to retract my supporting thing. I just want. I do think that in general, for, to get us started on the conversation, maybe uh, that. You can't really have one without the other. Hmm. Is that a more fair thing to say? That's interesting. Q, what do you think? I don't think that works either. I don't think that's a good way to start. No, I either. think that I think that's actually. A, I think I like that because um, I think within Christian circles, maybe I think more so we might like think doubt is a sign of weak faith, or you yes. know. Doubt is sign of no faith. Right, right. <laughs> but I think we as a church probably would say to that, no, like I, we think doubting is, you know, it's, it could actually really strengthen and even deepen our faith, you know? So I don't think we can choose one or the other, but probably like those two things would be a whole package. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. At the, at the same time, it seems like we wouldn't say doubting is a part of strong faith. Mm-hmm. No. Right. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't seem quite right either. Right. Mm-hmm. It's I, more, but it's not to say that yeah. doubt is separate mm. from the experience of oh, faith. Oh, okay. How about this? Piggybacking off of that, if we see f- like faith journey as a like different seasons, right? Sure. And then there's a season of doubt which leads to, I don't know, a little bit deepened faith. You know what I mean? After yeah. one sort of season of doubting, it becomes, or by the grace of God, I mean, because I mean, faith is a gift. I think that's what we read from the scripture. And if that is true, then our doubting because of God leads to deepened or strengthened faith over time. I think that's true. I think, I think a, a journey of faith has ebbs and flows with, mm. with faith and doubt. And I think uh, part, of our, part of each of our story is, if we're really honest with ourselves, is that we go through periods of doubt. Mm. And the idea is, um, and we talk about this in the Psalms, the Psalms talk about this too, where the idea of doubt kind of pulls you through, pulls you out of the pit um, that's referenced in the Psalms and sort of toward uh, toward faith and recognition. I'm jumping ahead to some ideas that we're maybe going to get to that's later. That's great. But flow. A, a reorientation, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that can happen. Well, that might be worth unpacking a little bit mm. here. Bru- Walter Brueggemann is this Old Testament scholar who has this framing. He he actually categorizes different psalms in these groupings of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. Mm. And uh, I was introduced to some of this framework recently by Dustin Bridges, uh, who is a psychologist and happens to be a part of life here at Grant Springs as well. Um, but that was really interesting to me because... That goes, I think, very much to what Q is saying, this idea of journey and this idea of seasons. Mm. That, um, and, it, and it means, it makes doubt potentially just a natural part of kind of process. Mm. Because that, that feels like uh, when you talk to different Christians, one of the biggest, biggest struggles with doubt, it seems like people struggle less with doubting and more with the fact that they're doubting. Mm, I like that. Within oh, the Christian is interesting. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like, does that mean to everybody doubt, but it's a matter of being okay with a doubting or, or not. Yeah, acknowledging yeah. or not. Yeah, and allowing space for you to process that. But I think um, like particularly traditions or churches that don't allow any room for you to doubt, the act of doubting becomes sort of the paramount issue hmm. not necessarily the things like you're wondering about or struggling with yeah mm-hmm. it's like the fact that you're doubting now mm-hmm. is gonna like isolate you from your community oh wow you know what i mean oh yeah can i can i share an example yeah i remember talking to somebody who was not going to have this conversation with me because he was he was not like he didn't even want to like so the, the topic was like the genesis one Uh, right yeah so the whole thing you know did really god literally create in seven days and you know or is it like kind of metaphorical narrative and he believed that it was created in seven days and he was not going to think about all the scientific evidence out there and he was not going to make any room whatsoever he didn't want to hear anything from me and i wasn't going to share like my personal prep you know what i mean but that conversation just went no, nowhere and I just remember feeling super frustrated. <laughs> so, I mean, to, to what you were saying, Matt, like maybe we often feel uncomfortable um, about the whole doubting thing. Like we become, oh my gosh, I'm doubting. What's going on with me? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. 
do I not yeah. believe anymore? Like, right. Yeah. And I think some of this conversation, <laughs> uh, like maybe a, a hidden agenda would just be to normalize the conversation around doubt. Cause people, I think like everyone, everyone doubts in, in different seasons and to different degrees. Like this is a pretty universal experience. Mm. <laughs> and, but often I think when we are doubting, it is like, oh gosh, no one else around me has ever thought this before. Right. Like they wouldn't be here if they had. So, mm. and then it becomes so complicated for us because relationships feel tied up in this and it, it kind of escalates. Mm. It can escalate very quickly when we're not willing to talk about it. And often, I mean, the, the sad story of doubt is like, um, I think when, if we're not willing to walk with people in doubt, then people, people leave the community and often the doubt, the doubts actually end up, uh, undermining their faith. Right. <clears throat> Um, this is, I think this is where the church can sometimes be a dangerous place to be if we don't acknowledge that doubts mm. can exist and right. are okay because it, it just, it just all continues to play into this thing that where when we come to church on Sunday, we're putting on our best selves, we're putting on our best clothes, we're putting on our best behavior, we're giving everyone the best impressions mm. of us. Right. And if you're a good Christian, you don't doubt. And mm -hmm. so then sort of then there's a stigma about the whole idea of doubt and you don't believe that you can be a Christian and have doubt because the Christians you see seem to have it all together mm. when of course nobody really does. Yeah. Huh. So it's maybe about the church, then it's more, you know what I mean? Like the doubt, the topic of doubt itself has a lot to do with how the church kind of communicates the good news of Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like certainly... Yeah. Certainly, I think probably most of us, like, depending on what the title, my guess is the title of this episode, which we haven't titled yet, has something about doubt. And probably, like, part of the reason a lot of us would be curious in an episode talking about doubt is because we see it as sort of a really big deal. Yeah. And I think part of what's, like, Brueggemann's framing or understanding as a journey does is it actually just makes it much less of a big deal. Mm. Like, it's just something that happens. Yeah, and something that you're going to gonna all journey us. through, rather than sort of like, right, um, like any question, any doubt you have is yeah. a crisis point in your faith. Now, people do have crisis points in their faith. Like, it's not to undermine yeah. people who go through like particular seasons and kind of reach crises. Right. It's not to say those <clears throat> don't happen and don't exist, and isn't something we should like care yeah. about for people. But it's also to say like, like doubt, doubts are just, yeah, I think much more natural. And so uh, it's fascinating because I mean, which reminds me of a lot of like passages in, in, within the, the Bible where people always doubted. Mm. Like you think about Jonah, you think about like Abraham and, and Sarah when God showed up and he was like, you yeah. know, you're going to bear a child. And Abraham was like, <laughs> like he laughed about it. Yeah. And then later God showed up again and Sarah laughed about it. And yeah. she was like, we're like close to hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you think about Jesus' disciples, they always doubted. Thomas doubted even after his resurrection. But why is it then <laughs> Christians, including ourselves sometimes, like why, why do we think that doubting is, is bad? When all we see in the in the passage, people there's story after story, there, yeah, about stories it. after yeah. stories, yeah, yeah, people yeah. doubting. My, fa my one of my favorite examples of this was one that I just became aware oh, of, kind of in preparing for this episode. Erica Bartholo wrote this article, uh, but she talks about Matthew twenty eight, 
which this is the very end of Matthew 28. So some of you, uh, so you might be familiar with Jesus comes to the disciples and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this great commission passage. But literally the sentence before that is, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Literally the sentence before. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like, and Jesus took the ones who worshiped and took the ones who doubted and separated them. No, he just says like, right. all right, all y'all, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, which is uh, just a fascinating thing that yeah. Matthew decides he has to, and who knows, maybe it was Matthew himself in that moment yeah. who's, you know, doubting and he's expressing right. sort of a moment of honesty, but. When we say doubting, can I, I want to back up a little bit, not to get obsessed about definition, but we could be talking about all kinds of different things, right? Sure. We could be doubting, like, so Thomas doubted that, doubted that Christ was resurrected. Mm. Um, we could be, people could doubt the, like, as you referenced, Q, like the literal interpretations of Old Testament stories, mm. uh, and, or we could doubt. Um, that Christ was, like, there are a million possibilities, yeah. right? We could doubt that Christ was true God. We could just think he was a prophet, but mm -hmm. this is great. But uh, Or we could doubt the existence of God altogether. Right. Yeah. Like, there's several layers and mm -hmm. ideas and pieces of the faith that are subject to uh, doubt or scrutiny or sort of un literal unbelievability. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe where... So I just want to make sure that we're kind of, when we say doubt, we're talking about a myriad of possibilities mm -hmm. of things that have to do with yeah, uh, Christian that's, that's faith. Good. Totally. And often it seems like doubts, um, uh, they're not, we don't experience them sort of in a serialized form. Like, oh, like I have this doubt about this thing and now I work my way through that and then I'm on to the next <laughs> doubt. You know, like yeah. that just doesn't seem like experientially often just the ways we interact and engage with these mm -hmm. are coming in clusters or, they're kind of interrelated, right? Yeah, or there's some outside event that might sure. cause us to doubt Definitely. something we didn't had no doubt about mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah. I do think, though, there's also a difference between doubts and questions. Mm. I think that's, um, like, it's, well, let me try this on. Like, questions are just, like, we don't have, you, you just don't know something. So you have a question about it, mm -hmm. right? Which is really, like, in some ways, that's what we frame, like, a lot of our conversations about. Let's explore this thing together that we don't know fully. Doubt. And we talked about this a lot with our faith, last episode of Faith and Knowledge. Right. right? Is that yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of where we're, you are? Totally. Right? Yeah. And then doubt, though, feels like you at least think you know something, and you're, you've, there's some level of skepticism, skepticism or question about whether that's true. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes I like I think it's just helpful to distinguish. Like sometimes people just have questions and they think they have doubts. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. They're like, oh, like I don't understand this. Like, hmm. am I doubting God? And I would say, well, like it. In some sense, these are sim very similar journeys. Uh, like they're not they're not they're not overly distinguished. Um, but also, like, no, you're not necessarily doubting the whole thing here. You yeah. just have a question that you should explore more. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and likewise, I think sometimes it's like people like, oh, like, yeah, like this is this is a serious area of doubt. I think like um, there's just a pastoral kind of care there where it's helpful to maybe distinguish. Mm. And maybe the medicine sort of is very similar for or the journey is quite similar. But they are, I think, different things. Mm. 
one is kind of open to curiosity and another is kind of a deeper journey mm-hmm. that's required. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That sounds... Sounds right to you, Q. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, just th- thinking about along the, the same lines of what Aaron talked about, how I think doubt, apart from questions, when those things happen in our lives, all of a sudden we have external things that you know we have no control over. And then that kind of maybe deepens the the season of questioning and becomes doubting, you know. I don't think God is here, you know, or God is good or things like that. Sometimes I think of the the idea of faith is so, sometimes seems so incomprehensible. Like, why are we required to have faith as Christians? And I, I think that at some, it's... It's alluded to at some point in scripture, but the idea is that oh no, I can't I can't say this until I can quote the scripture. I have to find the scripture. Never mind. Never okay. mind. Never mind. But but I think the gist of what I wanted to say was that faith I think is a gift to us because uh, it be it be if we had proof for everything, everything we really wanted to understand was given to us accompanied by empirical evidence. Mm-hmm sort of there's no, maybe there's no reason for faith at all. Because mm. mm-hmm. we could have knowledge with our efforts and with our time and with, you know what I mean? Yes. But sometimes faith, we can't have it. Like we can't make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I once had a gentleman walk in and sit exactly where Aaron's sitting in my office right now. And um, he said, you know, like I, I was an engineer my whole life. I've, and I was just driving home, and there's all these people in my neighborhood who talk about heaven and all these things. I just thought, well, maybe I'll just go into a church and talk to a talk to a pastor. It's like okay, and so, so it's like a weekday sometime. Yeah, it was just yeah. like uh, maybe early afternoon. Yeah, and so he comes in, he sits down on the couch, and he just says, "So, I want you to show me a miracle." Oh. <laughs> I need you to, basically, he was saying, like, I need you to prove to me something that I cannot explain in any natural way. Yeah. So that, so that I can believe. And uh, listeners in that moment, Matt, pray to the Father, and he I made... just, on my wall, <laughs> came a letter directly to this. No. Yeah, that didn't happen. But that was part of my conversation with him. Like, I mean, I was like, you know, I, I myself, like, I have questions about this why right now God doesn't choose to like burn into the field. Like I love you. I care for you, Eugene or whatever his name was, you know? Yeah. Uh, Like, I don't know why God doesn't choose to do that. That Mm. feels uh, like kind of a, maybe a natural thing to do. Like, Hey, let, let me let the people know. But I think it does go back to what you're saying about the gift of faith Mm -hmm. and the gift of inviting us into a relationship that, um, relies on God in some ways. So I don't think Mm. this, this gentleman really knew quite what to do with my response. I think he was really expecting me to like pull out a book of miracles, you know, and then he was ready to kind of pick them all apart. But the hope in that conversation was to invite him into a slightly different framework Mm. that we're kind of talking Mm. about, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In our last episode, so uh, we talked about faith as commitment and um, I find that really helpful in thinking about how faith perseveres in doubt. In other words, like, what does it look like to still have faith 
in the midst of doubt. Hmm. In other words, is it just like, oh, like I was in a season of faith, then I had a season of doubt, then I came back to faith, then I went back to doubt. Mm. Yeah. But what does it look like to like hold mm. on? And it seems like even often our doubts are maybe skew like uh, intellectual in the sense of like things we believe about God. But it is possible to hold on to relationship, it seems like, even while we're doubting something about someone. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like there's sort of a, there's like a willful, like this is, it's the willfulness of faith that can hold on even as I'm like, I, I don't know about any of this. I think I like, I'm skeptical about a lot of this, but I'm going to continue to try mm. to hold on which is a different way of viewing faith than just sort of what we sure. talked about, like a propositional, right. like, okay, well, like, if I'm not sure I believe this thing, then obviously I no longer have faith. Yeah. Right. So is that, so that's like faith as commitment through the season of doubt. So is that like openness? Is that humility? How would you sort of describe that whole posture that kind of keeps that person still in relationship with God or even within the church throughout? Because I mean, I talked to somebody just yeah. this past Sunday Um, she doesn't go to our church, but a friend of mine who went to Jessup together and she had left church for two years. And then she said she had recently came back and that two years was a season of like doubting. And partly it's like, huh, like you could still, you could still be a part of the church. You know what I mean? As you, that's partly what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like kind of the image in my mind is like someone kind of white knuckling, like holding on like through like a storm or something like that, you yeah. know, where it's like you can still will yourself to hold on. And that could look in it all kinds of ways. Like it might look like, uh, you know, pe- people take breaks from church attendance for all kinds of ways. But I think the invitation would be, what would it look like for you to like hold on in this way? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to engage in this practice, even though I don't necessarily believe a thing that we sing or say on Sunday morning, because in some ways, like I'm going to continue to like hold on. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I think um, maybe even a example as similar as a marriage is, is a good example of this. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, I mean, it's literally, I think cute answer or to try to answer your question. Yeah. I think it's literally faithfulness that helps us persevere. I mean, it's, mm. it's the knowledge that uh, there's, th- that this is a season and that there is a God's goodness on the other end of this. And, uh, or at least some, some realization of his his goodness. Mm. Oh. So that so through so through those darker seasons right. you just have to sort of keep the faith as yeah, they yeah. say. <laughs> Which feels trite in some ways. Yeah. Right. And there's maybe a version of that that is trite or um even almost abusive, like sometimes right? Yeah. Where it's just like, oh well like just Buck up, yeah. like ignore, have more suppress those, like essentially like push the doubts down <laughs> yeah. or push the doubts away right. yeah. and like hold on because this this is the thing that matters. Yeah. Right. Repressing. Like, yep. Yeah. So yep. like, yeah, like a repressing kind of approach. As opposed to dealing dealing with the doubt mm, in yeah. a more substantial way. Mm. Like the psalmists. Right. I just blurted out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> really honestly. Yeah. This <laughs> another great, re- that's what makes yeah. the psalm such a great resource, I think. Mm. And within Psalms, like I, I think, um, like we sometimes are tempted to see sort of trajectory or movement. So like 
Psalm 13 begins, like, how long, mm. Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And then it ends, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in mm. your salvation. I'll sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And I think we sometimes think of that as journey. Like, oh, by the time you hit verse 5, like, things have changed mm. for the psalmist. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the gifts of the psalms is, like, like these are sung all together mm. in the same moment. Like, yeah, none of us really changes yeah, yeah. wholeheartedly between verse four and verse five, right, <laughs> like, right. you know, as we move through yeah. this. Right? These are actually things that we hold on to at the same time. Wow. And I kind of think of like that verse five as sort of that act of white knuckling. Mm -hmm. Like, but, but I trust, even even in this, yeah. I doubt it. I doubt it. How long? Where are you? Huh. <laughs> like my enemies are triumphing over me. Like right. I'm wrestling with my thoughts. I have sorrow in my heart, but I trust in your unfailing love. Mm. And it's almost like when I think of that Psalm 13, it's almost like... Um, I almost wonder, like, does the psalmist believe that <laughs> when he says it? Is he just telling himself? Or is he just like, is this part of kind of that, like, I'm going to continue to say Spiritual this. Spiritual discipline. I'm going to continue to say this. Yeah. I'm going to continue to say this. And I know there's reasons, <laughs> and those reasons feel inaccessible wow. to me, but I'm going to continue to say that. I think that's, that's really beautiful. I think that, I think, almost gives us the permission to especially like for our friends that, that are out there going through who are going through like particular season of trials or suffering gives us a permission to doubt but also at the same time when we can <laughs> be joyful and thank god and praise god and have faith all in the same season mm -hmm. which sounds a lot like life mm -hmm. like that's that's it sounds like the whole like sounds more wholesome um that's it that's all i gotta say <laughs> Good. No, it's good. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, this is my last episode. These hosts are the worst hosts. How do, how do you guys think about kind of there's... Um, it feels like there's a bit of a tightrope here that, that anybody walks. Because on the one hand, like, doubt is natural and normal and a part of a journey of faith. On the other hand, like it can also be debilitating and undermining, and it's it's not like you uh, certainly no church I think says oh this Sunday morning we hope we seed a bunch of doubts in our people's <laughs> minds you know uh, yeah like how how do you kind of navigate that in a healthy way where it's like does that make sense? Yeah, you're saying we've been kind of talking so much about doubt being okay and being mm. part of seasons yeah. of our lives, but what can we do yeah, the to same keep time them we, from under, undermining this? Yeah, yeah, we don't want to necessarily incur encourage, encourage <laughs> doubt. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. You know, if Kevin was here or Libby was here, we'd have some answers <laughs> instead of more questions. Put them in the line. <laughs> I mean, I think some of it is like that. Like Psalm 13 is helpful in this respect. In other words, you don't, you don't only do verses one through four. Yeah. Right. Like we want, and we talk about this on the podcast, like we want to be open to questions. We think questions are really important, that they're part of any faith journey. Uh, but like there's also like things that we want to come to rest on. Right, and there's a little bit of both that. Um, 
there is a way to talk about faith and to talk about doubt and then to never come to any resting place where it's like, and this is the thing that we really believe is secure. It feels like practices form a lot of that in sort of church liturgy, mm. thinking about a Sunday morning. Yeah, that's good. Baptism forms mm-hmm. sort of foundation. Right. Yeah. Eucharist forms foundation. Yep. Saying right. the Apostles' Creed together forms right. kind of foundation. Yeah. Right. And ways to articulate things maybe that suddenly the doubts seem not like there anymore mm. or much reduced. Right. But at the same time, balancing it with appropriate, like language of doubts throughout our service, which I hear in the lyrics of our songs and the prayers that Matt writes um, and then even sermons, right? Like yeah. allowing that, that space and as you said, like really balancing it out, which is I think <laughs> the most difficult thing. <laughs> yeah. Q, I'd be curious. So Q's our youth director here at Grant Springs, mm. soon to be associate pastor of youth and pastoral yeah. care. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, have you had conversations with your high schoolers or junior hires about kind of doubt and questions and how does they, how do they kind of? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they are probably, their generation seems to be a lot more comfortable with voicing doubts mm-hmm. and questions. Um, I don't know why, but they just feel a lot more comfortable. <laughs> so I don't have to, inc- like, I mean, I don't encourage them to doubt, but they already yeah, come yeah. with questions and doubts mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, you, what Aaron mentioned earlier in our conversation, I think it has to do a lot with their like circumstances and you know what they're going through in life. They seem to be really engaged with their like engaged with life and circumstances. And if if it's really hard for them, they ask questions and doubts, and they even voice that toward God. So like one of the illustrations that I used for the sermon this past Sunday, that high school girl was super athletic but had this rare disease Mm -hmm. that was like a real doubt for her like Mm -hmm. if god is really good why why am i going through such a time where because of this rare disease i am losing the things that once was a very huge part of who i am Mm -hmm. um but in her case i think by the grace of god over time she was turned and she saw that wow, God was still with me through those times. Mm-hmm. Like it, w- he wasn't the author of my suffering. Like he was right there with me mm-hmm. and he understood what I was going through. There are cases like that. And we kind of, you know, I think as a church celebrate those moments, but I think there are also a lot of moments um, that I've necessarily haven't experienced yet, but I've sort of heard about or read about where these teens would leave mm-hmm. because of that particular season of doubt. Yeah. Um, and who knows, right? Maybe 20 years later, I met a guy, older guy. <laughs> he was like, he said he was 75 or something like that just this past Sunday. And he hadn't come to church since he was like in his early 20s. Hmm. And he wow. said he came back to Grand Springs Church hmm. like two weeks ago or something. Hmm. And that's right. Like yeah. <laughs> he's probably been questioning and doubting. At some point, he's just kind of pushed aside the, the whole church and God thing for a long time. But I don't know why he came back, but maybe God. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Good thought. I just think that is one of, like, that's an important piece of kind of uh, walking with people through seasons of doubt. Right? So sometimes it's uh, like there's a burden. I think people, it's like, it's not just pastors who feel this. I think it's friends of people who are doubting can feel this too. Like, oh, I need to answer their questions. I need to like help them by 
like helping them resolve these doubts. Um, and, you know, suddenly you're off doing research and you're trying to get to these questions and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the fact that just like faith is dependent on God, so like we are dependent on him to bring us through those seasons mm. does invite us, I think, to kind of be faithfully present, but not necessarily like faithful problem solvers always. Like sometimes mm. there are things yeah. where it's like, oh, this is a question. Like we can explore this more together yeah. Yeah. and like see what Christians, but sometimes like there is the mm-hmm. temptation to be like, oh, I don't want to sit with this in you, sit with you in this. I want to bring you out of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let me sort of apply myself in this yeah. way, which then tends to intellectualize the whole problem, I think in unhelpful ways mm-hmm. usually, because usually it's deeper than just like, I can't believe this propositional thing. Right. So, yeah. Yep. So how like, you know, the church responds to the whole season of doubt, like to its congregation members, that, <laughs> I think that has a lot more, like that speaks a lot of, um, that's communicating, I think, a bigger message to people that are doubting. You know what I mean? Like if the church responds in a way where, as we've already talked about, in a way that kind of balances doubt and faith. So we create room throughout our service with our songs and language of the prayers and stuff like that, affirming and saying it's okay to doubt, but at the same time, (laughs) we don't want to just encourage doubt and say, hey, like, yeah, if you need to just leave church for like two years and just come back when you're ready. (laughs) Right? But yeah, the response response of the church seems to be a pretty important thing. Yeah. I love that this is uh, going back to our friend, John Calvin. Um, yes. He has a section about this guy? faith and doubt. I think this, this quote maybe helpfully brings together some of these threads. He says, Surely, while we teach that faith ought to be certain and assured, we cannot imagine any certainty that is not tinged with doubt or any assurance that is not assailed by some anxiety. <laughs> On the other hand, we say that believers are in perpetual conflict with their own unbelief. Yet once again, we deny that in whatever way they are afflicted, they fall away and depart from the certain assurance received from God's mercy. And I think like he, that paragraph, he's literally walking a tightrope <laughs> between all these things. We say this, yet we say this. Yeah. We say this, yet we say this. Yeah. Uh, we, cannot, we cannot fathom experientially faith without doubt at some point in our lives. Hmm. The greatest among us seem to have these experiences. The apostles clearly have yeah, this experience. Right. <laughs> right. Who firsthandedly saw everything that Jesus yeah, did. Yeah. Everything. Literally, like, this is one of those things, right, where people are sometimes like, oh, like, if I could just see the resurrected Jesus, right. like, or have some vision of him, like, right. I would have no doubts. It's like, these guys, he was standing there in front of them, he was talking with them, he'd eaten with them, yeah. mm-hmm. and some doubted. Yep. Right? Yep. That's what Matthew uh, told us. But then there is, like... Still got to put the fingers in the holes yeah. of his hands. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then yet, in the midst of this, Calvin, Calvin ends, right? We deny that they fall away and depart from the certain assurance received from God's mercy. That there is still, in God's grace, this sort of thread that ties them to. Ian Morgan Crone, um, in, he's an author and psychologist and all kinds of things, but he wrote a memoir of his life, and he has this image of, he took his first Eucharist, I think at a Catholic Mass, And he talks about um, that experience, you know, when he's probably nine or 10 going forward and receiving the elements. And he talks about it as as sort of a rope that tied him to an anchor. Like that Eucharist was his 
and grand. He would go off and he would sort of, he, he wandered far. And mm-hmm. yet there was still sort of that thread mm-hmm. that he could follow back to faith, mm-hmm. uh, which he did later wow. in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, come back to faith. But this sort of practice and the sort of faithfulness of the, even that priest in that moment mm-hmm. sort of tied him to it. Can I talk about practice again for a second? Because yeah. I think this is a good. I think this is a good way for us to work through doubt. Hmm. Uh, there was a there's a story of, um, from this um, book you mentioned, or an article, I guess. Your doubt doesn't make you a bad Christian. Oh, yeah. Where this the author was talking about uh, um, her own doubt, but then talked about a veteran missionary who had watched her mother suffer and die from cancer and was again, just kind of struck by this. She says, I was thunderstruck hearing that someone I admired not so much, not only understood the emotions I was feeling, but had asked some of the very same questions. So there's courage and vulnerability and openness. And, uh, I, I think, I think that the idea of practice is, is what helps put us through that. I think Sunday mornings are a good place for us to absorb those practices and help us through doubts. Mm. I, I think, I mean, I think today, uh, our, our modern day saints um, work really hard <laughs> on faith, mm. like all the time. Mm. Um, and there's a there's a, a an example I thought of was sort of tangential, but it kind of related. There's a at my alma mater, Calvin College, now Calvin University, as I understand it. <laughs> uh, the chaplain when I was there was a man named Dale Cooper, who I think many listeners may have heard of, uh, but he's a uh, he was a man of extraordinary faith, still is, I think. And he, it was always amazing to me how he happened to know the Psalms really well. So mm-hmm. he could recite, I think maybe had memorized the entire 150, mm-hmm. like could really recite the Psalms. And he thought, and I, this just amazed me. And someone asked him how he can do this. Well, he's working on it. All the time. He doesn't have like some magical super faith brain. Mm. He just has them printed on the visor of his car and he's just reading them wow. constantly putting like, like creating that a yeah. practice that worked for him to help him through. And he's had a life of, of, of some considerable suffering as well in his mm. history. So, but he's, this is one of the practices he's put in place to help kind of move him toward faith mm. like, every day. Yeah. So I think if we can find something that works for us to kind of not to necessarily keep the doubts at bay, but to understand that they exist and to sort of say, but still, you know, but still, but still. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, yeah. If I would like have encouragement for people, sometimes they think like, oh, this practice doesn't work for me. Like it feels hollow. Like I don't feel anything from it. Be like, you know, if that happens once, keep going. If it happens twice, keep going. If it happens three times, keep going. Like, do engage with that practice for a season for the mm-hmm. very reasons I think that we're talking about. Like, the the riches of practice sometimes get unpacked over a much longer period of time mm-hmm. than it does sort of in one kind of miraculous moment, which yeah. is what we talk about with Sundays as well, sure. right? We say, please, come back. Come yeah, back. Mm-hmm. This isn't back. just a one Sunday a church. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I don't know how many how, how much time we have left, but you talked about scripture memory. Close it up for us. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, do you guys have any other ideas, maybe suggestions in terms of practices for well, ourselves the and the listeners? <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead, Q. No, I don't have anything in mind. Oh, I was just asking oh, the just whole group. Yeah, because I mean, Aaron already talked about like scripture memory. Um, I don't know. I think maybe. I think the built-in practice of coming to church on Sunday, I know we say this all the time, but I, I, mm. I just still am in love with this idea of slow worship and stuff, stuff seeps into your soul when you come mm-hmm. to church yep. and uh, doesn't necessarily have to be Granite Springs Church mm-hmm. listeners, but you know, it's but we strongly recommend, or I strongly <laughs> recommend our recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say maybe one other thing that could be worth for some people, if you are kind of a tangible person or you're a fidgety person, um, I've been kind of a practice that I've added or been engaging with is these Anglican prayer beads I have. So kind of like you might have heard of a Catholic rosary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically the same thing, except the Anglican prayer beads have like one less bead. So you don't have like the Mary bead, quote unquote. Oh, interesting. So if that kind of turns you off the rosary, then the Anglican prayer beads, you can find them on Amazon. is maybe a way to go. But it this is like real, very much um, uh, like a repetitive practice in many ways. So if you were to look at them and you could look these up and we'll post a link to some. Uh, on Facebook but um, there's like four sets of seven beads and then there's beads in between and the idea is for each of those seven beads you say either something very similar or something that's getting repeated Mm -hmm. throughout so there's something very repetitive which uh, can feel like kind of rote or just like I'm just doing the same thing like this doesn't mean anything it's my like I can do this without my heart being in it at the same time it does feel like it is uh, can be one of those sort of white knuckling practices you know, and if you kind of feel like having something in your hands is helpful, that can be mm, kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a pretty like practical tangible. thing. You can find all kinds of prayers online uh, that walk you kind of around the set of beads. Mm. But I've been, that's been really helpful for me lately, actually. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for the suggestion, guys. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, friends, if any of you are doubting like our pastor Matt here on a daily basis. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, <laughs> No, but seriously, like friends, if you are doubting or going through a very particular season of doubting um, at this time, just know that God hasn't left you. God is not ignoring you. He is actually right there um, strengthening you every moment of those you know, seasons. And uh, we'll pray together that you will come out of those seasons with a uh, deepened, knowledge and faith in Jesus. And thanks for having me, friends, uh, <laughs> to this uh, really awesome episode. Ever had on this <laughs> that was great. Oh, wow. Uh, that seems like you can come back to do benedictions every episode. Oh, yeah, we should have a benediction. That would be great. Can I just do that? Like, I'll just walk into the room yeah. <laughs> at the this end of the listeners. <laughs> well, nice listeners, uh, if you don't feel blessed after hearing that, I'm not sure, not sure what <laughs> not we sure can, what do, what for we can you. do for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, uh, we're grateful that you listened in. We hope this was helpful and, and or interesting. And uh, maybe you're still curious about things, and that's okay. Hmm. We all are. We'd always love to share in some of that journey. If you have a question or something that you think would be not necessarily like a question that we can answer, but a question that you'd like us to kind of muddle around and yeah. wrestle you with. Feel free to get in touch with us. I think there's a Facebook there's page. Facebook, right? Curious Church at GrantSprings.org. Address. The Pastor Q, I think, is going to have open 
office hours. You can drop in anytime. (laughs) Um, But let's say goodbye for now. It's been uh, great hanging with you listeners and with you, Q. Thanks for joining us. Yep, of course. It was not bad. It was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. Okay. (laughs) Classic research tagline. He's got his doubts. Like grande, grande sort of experience. (laughs) (laughs) And try listening to opera uh, if you haven't already. It's really good stuff. All right. You're done plugging. (laughs) Starbucks and opera. (laughs) Until next time, friends, this is Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Q. Thanks for being curious with us.